0: Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Jonah, and I'm not sure how far we're going to get today because uh, we've had a few extra things, but I, I'm going to start a series on Jonah. It's going to take five weeks, and um, most people know of Jonah and the whale. You know, they think it's a sequel to Moby Dick or something, and so they know about Jonah and the whale, but really the book of Jonah isn't about the whale. It's not about the sea monster. It's not about the big fish. It's not about whatever we tend to think it might be. It's a, it's a fish or a whale or whatever that God prepared to discipline Jonah. But the story's really about God's love for a, a very rebellious, uh, we'll call him pastor, but he was a prophet. And uh, he didn't want to go where God wanted him to go. And so God dealt with Jonah. and. Use the fish to do that, and then it's also God's love for Gentile people. Up until this time, we find God dealing very little with the Gentiles in the Bible, and you come to Jonah, and here is the Assyrian Empire, and it was a violent group of people, the way they would go in, and they would destroy cities and towns and people, and and God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. It's the capital of Assyria. It is the worst town you could go to, and I want you to share Jesus Christ well, he didn't share Jesus Christ. I want you to share what the news I have for you because Jesus hadn't been on the earth at that time. But he, he wanted him to share the fact that they were a violent people and God was going to judge uh, them for the things they did. And so I want to give you just a little bit of a background. A lot of people look at Jonah and they think it's kind of a myth. It's a story of, of him being swallowed by this whale and, It's a little bit too much of a whale of a tale for them. It's too big of a fish story, and so they just kind of throw it out. Maybe it's an allegory or something. Maybe it's something just to tell us a great truth. But I believe uh, that Jonah was a real individual. I believe that he had a ministry on this earth. He was a prophet in the northern kingdom. Uh, the first time we learn about Jonah is back in 2 Kings, chapter 14, in verse 25. And it, it speaks of Jonah here, and it says, And he restored the border of Israel. This was uh, King Jeroboam II. And he restored the border of Israel from the entrance of Hamath, as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke through his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from gath hepher And uh, I don't know if I had been from Gath-Hefer. I may have thought for a new name for my town. But gath hepher was um, in Galilee, and it was just about three miles from Nazareth where Jesus was raised. And so we begin to get an idea of who he is. If, if you look at this map and uh, you begin to see where it was, it was right down in this area, right in here where that little two is. That's about where Gath Hepher is. That's about where Nazareth is. And I'm going to show you where Nineveh is. Nineveh's clear up here. From what I could understand, it's about uh, 450 miles as the crow flies, or if we want to say as a dove, because Jonah means a dove. And so it's about 450 miles from there. Took place about 740, 25 to 750 years before Jesus and uh, before his time. So it was B.C. But Jesus believed in Jonah. You know, uh, there are people who say he, he didn't exist. He wasn't there. It's a, it's a fable. But back in Matthew, there's a number of passages in the Gospels where it gives the same uh, statement by Jesus. But in Matthew chapter 38 or chapter 12, beginning in verse 38, Jesus was speaking, it says, Then some scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. The the Jews always wanted a sign. They wanted some act of power, some miracle. And And he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up with his generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And so, so Jesus himself believed that Jonah was real. A lot of people say, well, Jesus was a great teacher. Uh, but great teachers don't lie, and Jesus didn't lie about who Jonah was. He, he told them that this was a sign, and we relate it to his death, burial, and resurrection, the crucifixion of Christ, three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. Now, some people say, but he wasn't in the grave three days and three nights, And that's simply because the Jews view time or view the day differently than we did, differently than we do. They would take a portion and it would be that entire day. So it would be night and day. So Jesus went to the cross part of Friday, all day Saturday. He rose from the grave Sunday morning. And so when we look at it, they say, well, he was only in the grave two nights. But in terms of how the Jews would reckon the timing, it would be three days and three nights, or they take the whole, the part as being the whole. And so when we look at Jonah, I want you to realize it's not just a kind of cute story we tell our kids, okay? It's not just some Sunday school story that didn't really happen. But it's a true event. And we can draw a lot of principles that relate to us when we look at these true events. So in the next four or five weeks, we're going to observe God's great love for Jonah and his patience with him. You think God's patient with you? Boy, I think he's patient with me. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a little too much like Jonah at times. Jonah, have you ever heard of anybody that ran from God? Boy, I had somebody the other uh, week tell me, Andy, I think I've been running the wrong way. I've been running away from God rather than running to him. And boy, I'll tell you, before I went in the ministry, I ran from God. It wasn't that I just didn't like God. It wasn't that I didn't go to church. It wasn't that I didn't do any of those things. It's just simply I didn't want to be a pastor. And I really thought that's where God wanted me. But it wasn't where I wanted to be. And so I went the opposite direction. until uh, until God got a hold of me and my wife and said, I want you to go to seminary and I want you to become a pastor. Uh, We're also going to observe his great love for this wicked city of Nineveh, and I think that can relate to America, can relate to any city in America, because we have a lot of cities who have turned their backs on God. They're not walking with the Lord. We have a nation that tends to be caught up with doing things other than what God desires. And so we're going to look at the idea that he loved Nineveh and he loves San Francisco and New York and Las Vegas and Chicago and Brentwood and Antioch and the surrounding communities. God's love does not leave us. He is, he is faithful. So I want to read you these first three verses out of Jonah chapter 1. And uh, we're not really going to get into much of it today, but I want to come back to it later. But in Genesis chapter, or I mean in Jonah chapter 1, in the first three verses, it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, that's what we read back in 2 Kings, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me, but Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish. Tarshish, we're not sure exactly where it was, but it could have been out at the end of Spain or it could have been in North Africa, but it was as far as Jonah could figure he could go away from God at that time. He was going to hop on a ship and he was out of there. And so he said, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, and the wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And so he went down to Joppa. He found a ship which was going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let me ask you. Can you go far enough to get away from God? No. Doesn't matter how far you want to run or where you want to run to, God's going to be there. And sometimes when we think that we can just avoid him and we can ignore him, he's still there. And that's what Jonah wanted to do. He wanted to ignore him. And God was making provision for this undeserving people. You know, the Bible tells us there's no one who really deserves to know God. There's no one who should have a relationship with God or have an eternal destiny established by God. You go back to Romans chapter 3, verse 10 to 12. And it makes a statement about humanity. And uh, in the 10th to the 12th verses, it says, There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There's none that does good. There's not even one. Their throat is an open grave and their tongues, they keep deceiving And the poison of asp is under their lips. He basically says nobody is without sin. Sin really should make it so that we don't have a relationship with God because we've separated ourselves by our sin and there's no way that we can come back to him on our own. Romans 3.23 says all of us have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And yet God looked at Nineveh, a wicked city, an adulterous city, uh, an idolatrous city. And he said, Jonah, I want you to go there. And I would imagine when that word came to Jonah, Jonah, I want you to rise and go to Nineveh, that Jonah just kind of took a big breath and said, what, you really want me to go there? I would imagine his emotions were stirred up inside of him, and he began to say, of all places, not Nineveh. You know, it says here in verse 2, it says, arise and go to Nineveh. That word, arise, the basic meaning from it, the, the base word it comes from, means to be swift. It means, Jonah, I don't want you to sit around. I don't want you to procrastinate. I don't want you to think about it. I don't want you to bargain with me. I want you to get up and go, Jonah. I don't want you to walk. I want you to run. I want you to get there As quickly as you can. And that's the basic idea of that word. And it says go to Nineveh. And Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. He got up all right. But he went the opposite direction. And I want you to get it this morning. That God loves or love the people of Nineveh. And if God loved the people of Nineveh, and I'm going to not go on from here because of time, but if God loved the people of Nineveh, then he loves the people of Brentwood. And he loves the people of the surrounding communities in the Delta. And he loves the people across the Bay Area in California, Nevada and throughout the United States. And we get so uptight about things we hear sometime and about individuals and oh, how can God love those people? And yet if he loved the people of Nineveh then he loves the people that live around us. We ministered to a woman yesterday. She loves the Lord. It's not as if we went to a person that doesn't know the Lord, but it would have been just as easy to go to somebody when they called me that had no idea who Jesus Christ was or that God loved them, and it gave us a top opportunity to minister. When we went out, it gave us an opportunity to minister to the people in that Division in the city of Antioch who go out and check to see what they need to do with properties to make them better. Because when Linda called, she didn't know if we would go. Would you be willing to do this? Does your church do things like this? And it's a ministry we have. I'm going to give you five things next week when we get into it. Five reasons why Jonah probably wouldn't want to go to Nineveh. And there are five reasons why sometimes we say, Lord, I don't want to go there. Sometimes we're just too busy. Too much going on. Too much is expected at home, or I got so much going on in the church, I don't have time to get involved with people outside. Sometimes it's fear. Wow, Lord. I don't know how those people are going to respond. Are they going to like me? Are they going to be negative towards me? Are they going to say things that are rather cruel? We fear going sometimes. I want to give you three more reasons next week. One of them is that we just really don't want to. We're busy with other things and we just are not really excited about it. Or we've got things to do at home. We've got so much to do in our church, we don't have time to do those other things. And so we're going to talk about that next week and go a little further into the idea of Jonah when he began to run. But uh, due to time this morning, uh, I want to come back so we have time to really deal with it. I just want you to read Jonah this week. Go go back uh, and, and read Jonah. It's one of those uh, minor prophets in the Old Testament. That doesn't mean that it's less important. It means it's just a little shorter than the major prophets. And uh, there's a really special message there for us in Jonah, I think. And so we need to go there. Just to give you a little idea of where we're going, five weeks, we're going to be looking at Jonah, and uh, one of those, a week out of that, uh, Darlene and I are going to be gone. I'll be here next week, but then the week after that, she's going to be having hand surgery, and uh, I know Darlene, see, I know that if we stay home and she's had hand surgery, she'll be figuring all kinds of things that she can do around the house when she's not supposed to be doing that, Right? And so we're going to get out of there, and if she doesn't figure out what she wants to do, she'll figure out what I should do. So we're leaving and going to be gone for a a week, and then we'll be back, and uh, we'll finish up on Jonah. During November, we're going to do a campaign on Thanksgiving, just a whole month of giving thanks. And I'd like to, to see the church establish some small fellowship groups. You can get together at night. Once a week, go over some of the things we went through in the, in the sermon. But uh, it's easy to be critical instead of thankful. And so we need to learn about being thankful. And then we'll come into the second week of December. And uh, we'll deal with Christmas towards till the end of the year. So that just gives you uh, an idea of what we're going to be doing for about the next three months. And I trust God will use it to bless you and touch your hearts and encourage you as we share together. So... Uh, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time of sharing together. We're going to sing in a minute, Father, and and I pray that our praise to you would be honoring to you and glorifying to you because it comes from our heart. Father, I pray for this shoebox ministry that you have laid before us. We've been involved in it in a lot of years, and uh, there's a lot of children who have received boxes from this church and from the people of this church. And, Father, I thank you for that. Use these boxes that we send out, Father, to change the hearts of those young people and to change the hearts of families. But, Father, I pray that you use them to change the hearts of the people who give here as we think of the opportunity that it would change us. So thank you, Father, for allowing us to share in this way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.